Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. We're back for episode number 30. We're now in the dirty 30s. Officially. Dirty. 30. <laughs> I was waiting for it once he did that. Uh, this is Joe, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts. We got... Nick. And... Lauren. All right. Yeah, I'm back for episode number 30. Do you feel like this is a little milestone, guys? I mean... It does. It feels feels like we're three-tenths of the way to 100. Yep. I feel like we're entering into adulthood. We're maturing. True, we are, true adulthood. We are, mature, uh, we are becoming adults. I remember when I turned 30. I remember... I remember my first beer. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, episode 30. It's uh, weird to believe that we've been doing that. You know, we had been releasing on a weekly schedule, but if you listened to us last week, we announced that we'll be popping over to an every other week release schedule just to uh, give us a little bit more time to prepare some episodes so we're not scrambling every week to get something something uh, pushed out in our yeah. on top of our day jobs. We'll uh, hopefully provide better quality content, and we'll give Joe some more time to to edit, so he's not <laughs> not burning the midnight oil to get all the all the quality audio you hear. It's all a credit to Joe's. It's all work. me. Such crisp, smooth audio. It's all, of course, it's Lauren. It's, it's the creative director. It's all, yeah, uh, Lauren really doing. puts in the the extra effort, the extra mile. You know, always. <laughs> but also we switched over so we could do a little bit more with our blog because so we originally started East Carolina Beer and Brewing as uh, a blog and you can check that out on eastcarolinabeer.com uh, and we really just did a lot of write-ups of new releases in the local area but then we did some regional tastings we did some tasting notes and then a little bit on homebrew stuff but once we started the pod we uh, really backed away from doing any blog posts so we wanted to get back into that so we're trying to do it every other week podcast episode and then blog post so if you want to check out our, our latest blog post in a while we did one on uh, Pitt Street Brewing Company here in Greenville North Carolina their new beer uh, called Dad Rock Bach which was a Hellas Stoppelbach so we did a, a little mini review on that and uh, if you want to check it out it's a it's a quick little fun little read and uh, you know if you're in the area go check the check the beer mm-hmm. out yeah, they uh they're constantly changing over their tap menu as it's pretty standard with a lot of the breweries here I think in Greenville and Winterville and just our ENC radius there's just a lot of uh a lot of good variety in the the styles that you see there and it was really cool to see something a little bit different a little bit more rare. Yeah. Yeah, they have a couple like standard brews that they've got on tap but not a, not a ton of like stable drafts with seasonals. I think it's because of the nature they're a little bit smaller breweries, so they have that flexibility to just whip up a new batch all the time. What'd you think of it, Lauren? Because you didn't. Why don't you give the people your notes since you weren't there? I didn't have well, it. You didn't write on it. You didn't have any of mine that night. No, I didn't drink oh. yours. Well, never Bummer. mind. I did not have any of the bok bok. Bok bok. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was three. No, I thought it was a double bok. The bok bok bok. Oh, the, well, that yeah, was the, the last beer we had, yeah. The triple bock we had from Casita. That was a bock, bock, bock. This was just a bock, bock. <laughs> I thought you were, uh, you were calling back to when you are going, bock, 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 the last episode. Uh, but for episode 30, we're mixing it up. We're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we are taking you to style studies. Hopefully, this is a uh, new little recurring segment that we've got here, where basically we pick some beers that we think embody a style or either... Uh, are unique and we try to define the style but really pick a pick a beer that embodies a style and then discuss a little bit behind that style you know talking about tasting notes talking about appearance talking about maybe a little origin of the style and then serving glasses and temps and things like that just so so we can get a better idea and uh, really learn some styles and this will help us on our road to uh, Cicerone as well so we each have a beer sitting here in front of us LC's is in a is in a koozie. Actually, Nick's is too. They're both kind of hidden. Yeah, I don't know why we're making it that big a secret, but <laughs> secret. It seems uh, it was just cold, fun. so I put it in a koozie. Oh. Yeah, oh, I think I was gotcha, trying to maintain gotcha. the temperature in mine as well. Yeah. So Nick, would would you bring? You want to start us off with your uh, oh, sure. style studies? I would love to. Um, For some reason, that reminds me of Bible studies. <laughs> I I used to do a vacation Bible school when I was a kid, and so yeah. I, 
We never had beer, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I guess also fortunately. We did have red wine, though. <laughs> Catholic Church, man. I thought you said red wine to anybody. A, a vocation stu- uh, Bible study. Oh, I was we, like, oh, did you learn how to weld, too? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I was learned to be a carpenter, just like Jesus. Yeah. So. <laughs> With um, wine, is, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, so I think this will be a nice one to start off with, hopefully. Um, so I kind of went for something that's maybe a little bit harder to find, but but also similar to something you've maybe encountered if you're a craft beer lover and you, you have a, a wide palette for different styles. Um, I'm going with today a, uh, a variation of the Weiss beer, the Hefeweizen. This is a Kristallweizen. And this is, so it's a Bavarian style wheat beer, um, German style wheat beer. Uh, this is actually a selection from Revelry Brewing Company. It's called Hotel Rendezvous. Revel- so, Revelry's in Charleston, South Carolina, right? Oh, yeah. They're right in the heart of Charleston. A really cool tap room if you ever go down there. Um, I know I know. going into this, this is not going to be Elsie's favorite because she's not a big Hefeweizen fan. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that this might change her kind mind. Of, yeah, maybe it'll change her mind. Maybe it'll expand her palate a little bit. Maybe she'll be a fan of this variety because the distinction here is that a Kristallweizen is actually just a Hefeweizen, but it's been filtered. Mm. So a lot of those suspended yeast particles have been filtered out after fermentation. So mm. how about I give us a crack, and we'll do an evaluation as I explain some more about this yes. style. Oh, I like it. Kristallweizen. And so... Ooh, you almost talked over the crack know, there, Lauren. sorry. <laughs> and so what? So if I like this, then all I have to do is just filter... The Hefeweizen. Yeah, get a Brita, you know. <laughs> Just pour, <laughs> pour your, your Hefeweizen through it, and uh, there you go. You know? Oh, gosh. What's that? Uh, I think it's like Rhett and Link, those guys that do. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, what's the show called? It's like. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, they did one where they like filter a bunch of different liquids through a Brita. Like they do like Mountain Dew, um, a bunch of other like really high colored, like Gatorade and stuff like yeah. that. And it comes out really muted it in color but like also the flavor oh the flavor is like pretty much gone too yeah i'd be interested to try that and see Ooh, that's a nice pour and i poured a little bit on my lap Ooh, and it is uh sticking true to the crystal in the crystal lights and it's uh super clear see right through that baby Mm-hmm. kind of looks like apple juice apple juice it does a little bit I feel like it's a little more yellow. Whoa. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, cheers on yourself. Breaking yeah. glasses here. Notably, uh, yeah, very clear. You're expecting from a Hefeweizen that it's going to be really cloudy and hazy. Um, it's just going to have all that yeast that's been produced in the, uh, or the, 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 the Weiss, the Weiss beer, the Weiss beer uh, yeast is like contributes, contributes a lot to that cloudiness. So by filtering that out after it's been fermented, you get a really clean straw-colored beer, which is very standard for this um, this beer. The Weiss beer in particular is generally going to be like a straw gold color to an amber color by BJCP. BJCP. That is so hard for me to say. <laughs> beer Judge Certification Program standards. Oh, there you go. The, you say the whole thing. The SRMs, two to six on that uh, metric, your ABV is going to be pretty low. I think it's about 4.3 to 5.7%. So really light, crushable beer. IBUs are pretty low. You're not going to see too much bitterness, but um, 8 to 15 IBUs is pretty standard for a Weiss beer. Now I'm curious though with this, because it is a Hefeweizen recipe, but after filtering out some of those suspended yeast particles, I'm wondering, you know, how is mouthfeel going to be impacted? Is it going to have a, a softer, more crisp mouthfeel because of the yeast being filtered and that sort of, I don't know, say like soft pillowy mouthfeel from all those particles being removed or if it's going to be very similar. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that's, it's interesting. Um, like looking, you know, I, I don't know if I've had a crystal Weizen before, but you know, I had definitely heard of them and everything. It, It looks very interesting. It does look like apple juice. Like Lauren said, the carbonation, like the head on it is like very light. Where I think is usually like you think of a Hefeweizen or something, you know, especially the bottle condition ones you pour out, they usually have that big pillowy collar of foam. And I mean, even if you think about like how you pour them, 
you know, really just dump it all in there and <laughs> right. get everything going and then agitate the yeast and put that back in too. So uh, yeah. very, very different. Uh, this looks like it was definitely forced carbonated, which it probably was, you know, being a big commercial uh, brew coming in a can, not in a bottle or anything. Right. <laughs> or else you might have some explosions. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you mentioned that's that's a good point um, about, you know, serving. It's uh, typical for, you know, a bottle of have a Weizen to be served. You, you know, you, you pour it really slowly out of the bottle into your, your vice beer glass or your Weizen glass. Uh, you really want to not agitate a lot of the beer as you pour out most of the body, but then at the very end, you want to kind of give it a swirl or mm-hmm. a, a roll and you get all those yeast that are, all the yeast particles stuck to the side of the bottle. And you also get a lot of head foam or form at the top. So you have a nice pillowy foamy head on your, your vice. And for this, you want to follow the same, principle but you're not really going for uh sort of collecting all of those suspended yeast particles because it's been filtered uh but the same effect is you want to get that nice foamy collar of uh goodness at the top but and here because we're splitting a 12 ounce can it's not really possible uh to do that technique so <laughs> yeah and we also don't have the all the vising glasses but um oh, yeah i mean well if you want to see a cool video check out i mean or just a weird pouring yeah. technique is like check out traditional pouring of like big bottles of weizens where they'll take the beer and put it in the bottom of the glass like upside down and then slowly withdraw it yeah until it's there and then you've done that yeah we have done it yeah. so i do that a lot with cans just fun. for fun <laughs> yeah if you have a, a large enough opening to glass you can actually shove the whole just, thing in there do you clean the can first? Because I feel like cans sometimes can be pretty dirty. Oh, I know. Yeah, I try not to let the can actually contact the beer, um, especially when you're out in public and you don't have access to like a sink to clean that off. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, notably, I thought this would be a good opportunity for Lauren to try another Weizen beer. The Crystal Weizen is supposed to be a little more muted in that estery banana yeast flavor and those spicy phenolic uh, components. You're kind of clove. But it's supposed to, I mean, the recipe is the same. It's just by filtering out all that excess yeast, it should really dilute the concentration of that, but still produce a really crisp and clean and flavorful beer. So yeah, um, what are you guys getting on the nose? Anything in uh, that brings to mind the Hefeweizen or anything different you notice? Yeah, it smells <laughs> like that. <laughs> Lauren I'm already turned off. <laughs> <laughs> just um, give it a chance, Lauren. Yeah, it is definitely fruity, uh, estery notes, like you said little bit of banana maybe a touch of phenolic notes like clove and whatnot as well but definitely it's not like super spicy or too fruity you know yeah yeah notably i think the for me it's the the phenols that i'm i'm noticing are are more absent i'm still getting that kind of banana that yeast smell is right you know it's still present oh yeah i would be surprised if it wasn't there at least in some capacity but um, notably that, yeah, that clove, that kind of spicy phenolic character is, is lacking, which is not to say that's an issue. It's just, it's really indicative of the style being impacted by that yeast being filtered. Yeah. And I definitely am getting it. It's funny who said, ah, it looks like apple juice. It kind of has that smell of apple juice too, but like with banana, <laughs> banana juice. Oh, <laughs> okay. I've never but had I think that. that might be it. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. It might be a lack of that like strong phenolic spicy character that's there. It also, mm. if you um swirl it a bit, it does smell a little white whiny. Don't mm. call me whiny. <laughs> uh, like specifically yeah, kind of like a Chardonnay, a dry Chardonnay. Yeah. I think, I think dry is, is yeah. pretty fair to say about this beer. Um, a lot of the style notes for Crystal Bisons will note that I uh, can have a really crisp, dry mouthfeel and um, sensation when you're when you're drinking it, and and also I'm thinking the makeup by reducing that uh, those flocculating yeast particles, you're gonna get more of a a dry finish. So probably flocculation, no, no breathing. breathing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody that. Uh, Grew up in the 90s, probably is familiar with that reference. Oh, yeah. Papa Roach coming at you. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of your traditional German breweries that are uh, centuries old or, you know, Pauliner, I mean, they're making their Hefeweizens or German-style beers. They're going to be having a Crystal Weizen. Uh, I don't know if it's as common to find on draft from what I was reading. It's more common to find in the bottle, which makes sense, and, and I think it helps because you can also... Um, 
again, you can kind of control the pour a little better mm-hmm. with, with those bottles of the vice beers. So, oh, yeah. um, I'd love to get an actual bottle of a crystal vice and get vice and glass and, and do it traditionally and see how that, how that works. And especially comparing that side by side with the half of vice and without the filtration. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm definitely noticing after a few sips that still getting some of those vice beer qualities and flavor. It's definitely banana. There, you know, there's still some yeast flavor imparted, but it's a lot more of a light, crisp, uh, mouthfeel and taste to me. Yeah. I just think it's overall not as strong. Yeah. I think it's like a, a muted Hefeweizen. <laughs> and I mean, I don't like instantly turn my nose up at it. Um, I think probably cause it is more muted flavors, but again, it's still not my favorite. <laughs> yeah well and you know I, we're talking about f- filtering this beer out and you know one thing that came to mind for me and i was kind of curious about was you know how does this going to differ from you know your your filtered wheat beer because i think a lot of breweries I, th- I think of boulevard based out of kansas city in particular they have a lot of unfiltered wheat ales but also then they do filtered variations of those and the difference is, is I mean, the the German, the German style of a, you know, their their like Weiss, their Weiss beer versus like a an American wheat ale is, I think a lot of the American wheat ales actually use barley for for brewing because it's a lot easier to use in the in the when you have malted barley versus wheat, wheat's a lot harder to to brew with, um, you get a lot more binding in there, and that's what makes it difficult to, you know, separate everything at the end. And so I think a lot of the American styles are going to be filtered by default or at least some filtration is present mm-hmm. in the the american wheat ale so if you're having a, a german vice beer you're gonna typically find it unfiltered unless you look for something like a crystal bison yeah and crystal bison not a hugely popular style i feel like i could be horribly wrong but not here anyway uh not one you see too often definitely not with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean good choice i, I think this is it's pretty good yeah i mean it's a it's a light I don't know, just a light beer. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, Hefeweizens aren't supposed to be strong beers anyway, but... Well, it's, this one comes in right at 5%, so it's a you know good low ABV. I do think this would be nice for a, a summer sipper or crusher. Mm-hmm. It makes it a little more sessionable, I think, because it produces a little more of a crisp quality when you're drinking it. It's a little bit more subdued in those um, phenolic flavors. So it kind of drinks more as a, a light kind of fruity beer versus a fruit and spice bready malty beer. So mm-hmm. and I think for these, you know, I, I'd probably prefer this to be a little bit colder. Whereas I have a vice and I don't mind if it kind of comes up to temp a little bit. I think you get a little more uh, flavor out of it as it sort of warms up or comes out of that chill. Yeah. Yeah. This one, I'd probably prefer to keep it pretty cold just to maintain that Nice cold crisp quality to refresh you on a hot day. So mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Well, Lauren finished her glass, and so I'm. I'm a, at least I picked something that she can tolerate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she really finished it there. <laughs> mm. Hmm. Mm. Or AKA stole my empty glass and then handed me hers. <laughs> I didn't see anything. So uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, she loved it. She loved it. Was it. Great. it was Delicious. Great. <laughs> yum 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 beer. Yeah, maybe if it was a little colder, I would potentially dislike it less. Yeah, maybe it was like frozen. <laughs> yeah, I'll pop it back in the freezer. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, so that's a little bit about the uh, Crystal Weizen. Did you have any closing summary or remarks on the style? Well, I just, I actually have had this beer before uh, when I was shopping at Emporium's Bottle Shop. Uh, I looked through a few different styles, what I wanted to pick, and I was like, this can looks familiar. Uh, turns out I had actually had... Not the can itself, but I've had it at the source in Revelry in Charleston. Um, I really liked it then. I think I scored it at a 425 on Untapped, and I really like it now. I think I would actually choose this style, and as we're getting into the summer months here, I can see myself really enjoying a nice crystal vice. And I think filtered beers, that that more smooth, not smooth, but more of a, uh, a clean, crisp finish is nice for mm-hmm. when it's hot. You want to get something that's just gonna kind of hit you with that burst of yeah. brightness and uh i mean just ask the marketers at bud light <laughs> yeah <laughs> cold crisp refreshing yeah. beer so maybe i just you know maybe they need to have those like drops for yeah. 
Miller Lite, but just for crystal bison. I can add to my Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's suspended yeast particles. You can just add them back in after it's been filtered out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, it gives me a lot of appreciation. I think doing some uh, some background look and uh, work into this beer style is, you know, the the work that goes into making Hefeweizen is pretty substantial just because of the complications of using wheat as your main source of uh, fermentable sugars. It's hard to, to work with that. And then from there to filter out the yeast, the, the Hefeweizen yeast is also a difficult process of filtration. So it took a lot of work to get a style like this. And so you kind of appreciate the work that brewers do behind the scenes to, to bring you this delicious creation. So delicious. Not everything yeah. is as easy as it looks. <laughs> yeah. All right. So LC, LC's brought a beer for us for style studies. Yep. This LC beer pick of the week is going to be an unblinded taste test. Yeah, it is. LC's pick of the week. Yes. Style studies edition. <laughs> we don't we don't have to guess it. Yeah, yeah, style studies edition. Yeah, so instead of going like with the traditional style, I more have a beer that I picked. And then we'll kind of just talk through that beer style and kind of how it differs from what the perceived style should be. <laughs> so I have Duclaw Brewing Company's Strawberry Letter 23, and it's a strawberry hopped sour. Uh, is that a song? Apparently that's a song. Is it? Is I've it never strawberry heard Letter 23? Well, I don't know. When I looked on there, they're like, oh, named after the song. I was like, I've never heard of that, that mean? song. There's a picture of a stamp basically on the, on the can. It's by the Brothers Johnson. Oh, ooh, interesting. The lyrics start out with, Hello, my love, I heard a kiss from you. Red magic satin playing ooh. near to... Ooh. Very interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and crack my beer, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> Cracking ooh, up a beer. Cracky. That was pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That was, uh... With the aggressive pour. You know, I was trying to think when Elsie mentioned a sour IPA, I was like, you know, I feel like we've... We just recently had one, didn't we, on the on the pod? Didn't wasn't that one of the LC picks that was some kind of sour IPA that we were yes. totally perplexed by? Yeah, it was because we were like, "Is it sour? What, what is it?" Well, well, perplexity is very common with this. Perplexity is your middle name. Yes. Complexity. I am perplexed. I'm per- just in a constant state of perplexness. This is Nicholas's. <laughs> she hands you the fullest one. Oh wow! I can smell that strawberry from here. Oh yeah, as a you know you know you did the little drive-by sniff. <laughs> I got it. It's like a pop tart. Yeah. So this, if you look on uh, Duclaw's website, how they have Whoa. this <laughs> classified as a sour IPA. Yeah. Um, but you know when I was looking more into different styles and stuff, and you know consulting the BJCP <laughs> to really truly define what is the style of this beer. Um, that's not a thing, apparently. So <laughs> it doesn't really formally exist as a sour IPA. Does it fall under the specialty IPA categories? Um, so potentially, or characterized more as a like fruited American wild ale. Okay. okay. Um, but it's interesting too if you start looking at different breweries who also brew these types of beers. Um, it's kind of characterized or commonly done as a New England hazy IPA and then fruited. Mm. Interesting. And so that's but are just they sour. In, yeah. So that Weird. they, um, it's like with the added tartness is how they define it. So it's mm-hmm. generally brewed as a New England style IPA with that added tartness. So I guess, um, yeah, the question is, and I don't think they explain, like, say what it is, but how do they get the sour? Because I think that changes it too. Is it a mixed fermentation or is it like a kettle sour where they added? Well, I guess if you're adding lacto, you're mixing the fermentation in there. So I, I don't know. Weird. But yeah. tough choice. I, I commend you for your attempts you know? yeah well you know i um i like a challenge apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the can on it here it says strawberry hopped sour so there they say it's sour but then on their website they say it's sour ipa yes and then so like it is they have lack it's lactose in it and it's hopped with mosaic hops and a mosaic powder but it's also has the lactobacillus 
um, which is that characteristic sour mm, feature, yeah. and then it was hopped over uh, or fermented over fresh ripe strawberries. Oh, interesting. So that's how it yeah. is. So it is a mix, bit of a mixed fermentation. Yeah. So is it a? I don't know if it was weird. a secondary fermentation. Any chance we get to plug that? It's always fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it's funny too. Um, not really that funny at all, really. So it's a poor choice of words. But <laughs> sours in general kind of have a, a wider range of. Um, different beers so like a goza or a lambic or a berliner mm-hmm. vice like those types of beers are all kind of characterized as sours because of kind of that wild um, bacteria that's used instead of something um, more culturally or more culturally. <laughs> <laughs> more like cultured less wildly how do i phrase that more cultured Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a more cultured culture. You but mean like, like a refined culture, like a, a more of a laboratory single? Yeah, because like yeast strain. Yeah, yes. Versus uh, hey, versus let's out put in this the wild. In a cool ship and let whatever float in, float in. Yeah, which it makes sense of like why this style is like so old, because if you think about like pasteurization and you know all of our refined processes now, they didn't really have that before like the 1900s. Oh yeah. Or, we're yeah. still before like the 2000s, probably not. Um, <laughs> All the rud- rudimentary uh, brewing methods. Um. Yeah. And so like initially it was kind of like, oh, well, is this an off flavor? Is this supposed to be here? And it's like, oh, well, actually now we know it's more of an intentional flavor for some. <laughs> Sometimes it's not supposed to be there. Yeah. But <laughs> you take a sip and you're like, like mm. I don't hate this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it what I was expecting? No. But, Why not? Yeah. I love how a lot of discoveries come about just by accident. Yeah. I mean, or by uh, error. I mean, you might have one uh, nuance to your style that you've, you know, overlooked. And then it's like, oh, wait, we just created a a different flavor profile or a different color or mouthfeel. So it's like, oh, wow. Well, it's crazy for beer. For most of beer's, like, existence, humans didn't even know what yeast was. Right. Like, it wasn't (laughs) recognized for for the early part of brewing. I mean, because the original, like, Reinheitsgebot boat or the german purity laws you know didn't even have yeast as an ingredient because it was like almost a, a heavenly touch that turned <laughs> this, these ingredients into beer and then they're like oh wait hang on there's microbes yeah <laughs> in uh, here thank you there's Louis something Fisher. alive in my beer <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh sorry to to derail your talk about the style lauren golly i know golly. Um, but traditionally um we associate sours point of origin to belgium oh um yeah oh belgium great fan base in belgium yeah shout up, out belgium. <laughs> yeah i think that's new really belgium, why i chose this beer yeah, you know yeah uh new belgium in particular in, in Asheville and and then also in uh colorado i think is their other location uh fort collins they uh they do a lot of like belgian style sours which is really cool when mm-hmm. i was there in Asheville recently i that was almost exclusively what i drank was Author draft menu is the uh, how's bragging camp going? <laughs> <laughs> when I was in, when I lived when in I Asheville. In Asheville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bless. Yeah, New Belgium actually is another one that has um, a few sour IPAs. Oh, okay. Um, and they've been like dry hopping their sours for a while now, um, compared to some other breweries. So, two when I think about like sours and how they differ. It's kind of using, again, that living bacteria, so like the lactobacillus or the pediococcus. Um, and so those contribute to the tart, crisp flavors, mm-hmm. more specifically the lacto. Um, and that pediococcus gives it kind of um, the wild yeast more brett. Well, the brett is more reacting with that, and that kind of gives you that aroma or the diacetyl compounds for that enhanced Oh, Mm-hmm. Brett. Brett. Our good Brett. Brett. Hey, Brett. Thanks. Just Brett. Shout out, Brett. Hey, what up, Brett? <laughs> yeah. So it can help provide that, like, aromatic funk mm-hmm. that you characterize with Barnyard, the sour. Barnyard, horse blanket. Yeah, yeah, I think after a little bit of time for this to settle into the glass after pouring, that initial wave of just pure, fresh strawberry aroma has subsided a little bit, mm-hmm. and now I'm able to kind of see some other things peek through, like that, that funk. Mm-hmm. A little bit of the hop character, too. So I'm I'm pleased that it's not just going to be straight up strawberry, which is not a bad smell. But you know, if you're looking for a, a hopped 
strawberry ale, you're looking for a little more complexity. So now I'm starting to see those characteristics come through in the the aroma. I'll say this is one of the few beers where that drive-by sniff technique, where if you're not familiar with it, it's like when you take the glass and you kind of just like wave it past your nose, like far away from your nose. Uh, And that's supposed to pick up the more volatile compounds that may be overwhelmed when you're like sticking your nose in the glass. And this is one of the few beers that I can actually detect the difference. And when I do this drive-by sniff, I get like pure scented strawberry almost like um like a strawberry scented candle or something mm-hmm. and then when i stick my nose in i really get that like sour funk with the hops with a little bit of sweet strawberry like undertones it's very interesting how it changes from that yeah they're like hopped up funky strawberries <laughs> hopped up funky strawberry yep <laughs> yeah has anyone taken a sip yet not yet what would well, the appearance of it? I mean, a little hazy. Yeah, it's 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 it is hazy, very hazy. <laughs> uh, almost like a pale orangey kind of a color. Am I looking? Am I seeing this right? I would say more apricot. But apricot colored. The head, yeah, subsided. Really maybe not mangoey. No traces left. No lace on the glass. Mm, yeah, very thin. Yeah. Um, I have taken a sip though. Mouthfeel. It is a little bit light to medium bodied. Not real heavy, mm-hmm. not real carbonated or bright either, which is not surprising because of the lack of head retention here. Um, but really palatable. It's a little bit dry finishing. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I'm starting to kind of like make it that chalky mouthfeel. <laughs> Makes you want to take another sip right away. Yeah, it does. Which I think is an intentional way for brewing companies to make you drink more beer. You sneaky, The drier sneaky the beer, the more you want to drink it faster. Um, it's like serving like <laughs> mixed nuts or salty pretzels. Uh, make it, you know, at yeah. a bar, make you want to yep. drink more. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> you <All> know, right. <laughs> they give you salty nuts because they're salty and nutty. Nutty. Mm. Mm. But, you know, getting some true strawberry flavor too, which is really nice because you could take this a couple different ways with, with fruit adjuncts. And it can kind of come across or be imparted as maybe like strawberry candy or artificial strawberry. Mm-hmm. This has yeah. a really genuine strawberry flavor, which is really nice. Yeah, I was worried when I had that first smell when I was like, oh, this is strawberry explosion. You know, it was almost like uh, almost almost kind of smelled like tricks or <laughs> some other like cereal. But yeah, it reminds me of another uh, sour I've had. With the strawberry flavor. Uh, gosh, I can't remember. That I'll remember at another point. Good story. It's not really, <laughs> it's not really pertinent for this strawberry conversation. Strawberry forever from But, like, it t- I can tell the difference in the strawberry mm. profile, though. Like, this, I think, tastes more genuine strawberry versus kind of that artificial strawberry yeah, flavoring. Yeah, probably not there because they looks, I feel like, strawberry one was very more muted on the strawberry. Yeah. Strawberry, but, yeah. And notably, that was a fruit sour ale versus... This, you know, kind of being a sour IPA uh, hopped up. And I'm getting some good hop character late. Um, Kind of more on the aftertaste or retronasal. There's a little bit of that slight hoppy bitterness. Um, But it's really kind of more of an estuary than kind of like estuary floral versus bitter. Mm -hmm. It's nice, though. It it creates a little bit of depth. Yeah. Yeah, generally, um, your sour beers in general, um, serving temp is usually around 50 degrees. Um, I think this is at an appropriate temperature for my drinking pleasure Mm -hmm. at this point. I don't think I'd want it to be any colder or warmer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think we're probably pretty close to that. I mean, it's been out for like an hour now. Yeah. And uh, we're probably sitting somewhere around 50 degrees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just really warms it up, gets those uh, volatile compounds moving, gets your your uh, olfaction going. Uh, so, is this example? Do you think it really fits that uh, BJCP uh, classification for like a a wild specialty beer or an American wild ale? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's generally going to vary based on whatever the base is, but that mouth fill is usually kind of light and care characterized by like that dry mouthfeel yeah yeah especially and i mean depending on what fruit you put in there it's going to change that quality and especially this things like the color uh will change by that but yeah i think this is uh you know as as you read everything about the the style it, it kind of fits in there so you're 
you know, you're thinking of color tints, maybe from fruits. This one, not so much. I mean, strawberries, you would think it'd be kind of pink, but I feel like that's usually with like fake strawberry stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're getting a, a hazy beer, which could be, you know, from the brewing process there. And then light, dry, maybe some tartness, the flavor profiles, you know, as expected. So I think, yeah, this is a good example of that. Uh, if you took it and did a spin in the IPA category, I think it'd be a little different to try to get, you know, it's, it's interesting. So I'm curious if they entered this in, in a BJCP sanctioned thing, what would they pick for their style? You know, would they stick, yeah. uh, with an, an IPA, a specialty IPA, or would they go with a, uh, wild specialty ale? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. I think- How would you submit this? I think this also would have been an interesting one to do a blind tasting of because I think it's kind of confusing as, you know, is this oh, a yeah, sour? Yeah. That's why I was trying to recall what beer it was. We had, a, a I think, a few episodes back where totally stumped by it because mm-hmm. it, was a, it was an IPA, but it also had some sour. Maybe I'm oh, thinking no, it was of... it a sour, but it had some... Hop. Yeah. Yeah. Was it the, uh, was it it was the limoncello one? I thought it was a Goza that I did. Was it not? I think, I think maybe I'm thinking of the one that was like the limoncello beer maybe yeah had a little bit of lemon chalo. was it a goza or a staza um it was a goza <laughs> also i'm reading the can from afar yeah the guava goza the guava goza that's what yeah, that, that was. was the um which you were on the money about the guava f- flavor oh, yeah that's right. we did yeah. get that aspect of it um but yeah i was gonna say uh, from afar i was reading the can and i cannot believe this is 7.1 percent i know i wouldn't Wait, have expected what? that yeah isn't that bizarre the yeah, wait that is. <laughs> That's your beer. You didn't even know. I didn't realize it was that high. Lauren's <laughs> eyes are as big as silver dollars. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, this is shocking. <laughs> this is quite Silver concerning. dollars. What a, that's kind of an aging uh, aging thing there. Oh, I know, because you don't find silver dollars too much anymore. Mm-mm. Oh, we used to get them every year in our stocking for the year. Oh, that's fun. Silver dollars. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. commemorative ones. Commemorative silver dollar. Yeah, they like had little one eight hundred nine five three six. They were like little, six, little plastic things for your very own commemorative silver oh, dollar. Oh yeah, yeah. In case, yeah. My like, uncle. I'm telling you, we got one every year for Christmas for several. Do you still years. have them all? I think they're at my parents' house in the safe. Yeah, in the safe. I don't have any. I don't think I have some fifty cent pieces. Fifty cent. Yeah. Did you ever have like the Ben Franklin fifty cents before they changed to JFK? No, I have the 50 cent, 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, you find yo. me in the club. No, I just had the JFKs. <laughs> yeah. Um, my uncle worked at a bank. He was a manager for a bank. And uh, I know on some birthdays, I would get like, we would get $2 bills for like in our card. Oh, I have a few of those, of those too. And yeah. then some years, it, like he'd also like give us a bunch of like, yeah, silver dollars. It was like he had access to all these different like. Uh, forms of currency so it was like <laughs> oh wow like but then i'm like i don't want to spend it now because it's yeah you yeah. have like seven yeah. two dollar bills what am i you know i just want to keep these Until but then, you get into a buy and you're like oh i need to buy this and you're like i really really want really that uh mountain dew from the gas station so <laughs> <laughs> goodbye two dollar bill yeah oh, i i thought it was so cool of like first time i went to canada and i got some like loonies and toonies you know like they're i'm two sorry what loonies and toonies they have like one dollar coins and two dollar coins oh but the toonies are like they're like look like a penny in the middle, but then they're surrounded by silver yeah. on the outside. Mm-hmm. So I've got a few yeah. of those. Interesting. It's a loony and toony, eh? I don't know the the actual. The I'm sure probably it's just like a one dollar coin, but like I don't know if there's the official name of it. Interesting. Loony and toony. We're not as well versed as Joe with Canadian currency. <laughs> no, a. Eh? A. Eh? Wow. A. Eh? Don't offend don't our Canadian know? listeners. Oh, I know. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, sorry, I've, sorry there. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, I've been to Canada once. My, Everyone in Vancouver was quite friendly. You've been to it, okay? Yeah, so I'm the only we, one who's we went not to been. Whistler. It was fun. See, I've been on the other side. I've been on the en français side. Oh, French. yes, I went. Oh, now French. Now we're gonna offend West our French listeners. Canada. Quebec, <laughs> Quebec, <laughs> Quebec, Montreal. I guess I've been to Newfoundland too. I do want to go though to the the Canada side of Niagara Falls. Yeah, Canada. Yes, yes Canada. I hear nice. it's better than the American side. <laughs> yes, yes, by far, I guess. Well, one last thing too to note about sours: um, it's best to enjoy them in a tulip glass so that you're able to kind of really experience the aromas. Mm. I see. I only uh, this glass only has one lip. <laughs> couldn't resist it boom, oh boom. man you think i'm a dad oh my gosh i jokes. just got that 
I did not. <laughs> I was like, what are you uh, talking about? It has like a rim. I'm, yeah. No, actually, we're drinking these not out of tulip glasses. I'm curious how it would have impacted it. But this mm-hmm. we're drinking out of a, uh, what are these called? Flared? Muffin. Uh, muffin top pine yeah. glasses. Yeah, I couldn't remember what it was. But uh, The only time the muffin pop muffin top is appropriate (laughs) (laughs) uh all right yeah let's rinse these and then get to my beer here all right so for the last uh beer of our style studies uh inaugural episode here i've got uh an interesting one i guess lauren's was very interesting but uh yeah don't don't try to steal that that was my thunder. thunder no mine is also not a bjcp sanctioned style by any means but an offshoot uh i have an oyster stout here with us so that's right. A stout brewed with oysters. Oysters. You know, when I first heard of these, I was like, there's no, way there's, there's no way there's oysters on here. I was like, how the heck, why would you throw oysters into a beer? That makes no sense. <laughs> and like, yeah. it just seems like so counterintuitive. But no, they just literally just toss oysters, shell and all in, in there. And so really where this falls into, and since it, it's not its own category, it's, it is again, like one of these specialty ones. It's, uh, generally falls within the BJCP category for sweet stout or like milk stout. And this one is a milk stout. Uh, the example I chose is Black Pearl Oyster Milk Stout from Duck Rabbit Brewing. The Duck Rabbit. The Duck Rabbit. Ooh, wow. Ooh, wow. She's a foamy one. So you could hear that release. It was definitely ready to, ready to, ready to be cracked. We got a pint can here too. Very foamy. Oh wait. <laughs> I passed it the wrong way. There's that. Wow, yeah. Definitely a lot of uh There's a lot head of head getting, there. Yeah, it's a lot of head. <laughs> More head than legs if we want to put it in that way. It's not running anywhere. Yeah, that's a very foamy one. It's very heady because it's got a big brain. Surprise, usually it's not not that uh extreme with the carbonation. I don't know if it's we've had it for a little bit. You know, kind of get a four pack of those and then have mm. one every once in a while, sit on them for a little bit. Uh, actually, the Duck Rabbit Brewery, Brewery just uh, released their new version for this year. This is not that. <laughs> <laughs> but they just did it yesterday. Yeah. They had a release party for the, the um, uh, 2022 version. Nice. But yeah, so. So initial fluffy. thoughts, initial impressions. When you the guys head's think? so fluffy. Yeah, which is not generally characteristic. I think it may have had a little secondary fermentation in that can. Secondary fermentation. <laughs> um, yeah, notably, yeah, the head was really foamy, fluffy. It's starting to sub- subside a little bit, but the body of the beer, the color is really dark, really dark brown to a black. I cannot see any light really getting through this. It's uh, very opaque. Yeah, which I'm curious if we had a smaller volume. Like, if I tip to the very edge of the glass, I can see that red hue. Probably wouldn't be too opaque. So, a little history, you know, of this the the oyster stout as it is, you know, in the... I think it was sometime maybe in the early 1900s uh, or eight, late 1800s, but uh, it was traditional to have uh, a stout with oysters. So I guess they even had some like old Guinness advertisements that were hmm. like, you know, a Guinness and oysters are good for you or something like that was their <laughs> tagline for a while. So people were, were pairing these these sweet stouts or these milk stouts with their uh, oysters. So it wasn't a huge leap for a brewery to actually do it. And they thought maybe the first time that somebody marketed one, it was kind of a myth where they said, huh, yeah, we got an oyster stout for our oyster feast. And they may have used the shells in in the beer but maybe not the whole oyster Mm -hmm. but uh at one point they found out that oyster shells you know contain a lot of calcium carbonate which is really something that you want to use for for some beers it smooths out the the mouthfeel and provides some of those uh good electrolytes for the yeast to uh chow down on it to get some good rep uh good uh replication going but you know and it's actually funny you think uh there's a over-the-counter product, oyster shell calcium. That's yeah. <laughs> so it's a calcium supplement. You know, a lot of mm. people take it, so mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a huge leap. Mm-hmm. But yeah, brewers started using it for that, and they also used it as a, an agent to promote clarity of beer. They there's uh, a few different things. One of one of the products uh, being derived from fish's swim bladders that help coagulate the proteins. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. So that's one Swim way to, to get that out. Filtration is another thing. Other flocculation agents to, to drive the clarity of beer. But oysters also had that that uh, component as well. So they drove clarity as well. So that's when you said uh, it's opaque. I'm curious if it actually is because you just can't see through it because it's so dang dark. Oh, the color yeah, is dark brown. Um, but yeah, now now people mainly use it as a as a flavoring agent. The the old oysters. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned the uh, yeah the calcium carbonate is a a factor for improving the the brewing process and actually giving some uh, a food, uh, technically a food source for the yeast. So um, I would not have thought that would have been really the the idea behind using oysters besides just adding some flavor. I think I, I, I always think of oysters as like, you know, salty. So I'm like, is it just meant to kind of add a nice salty balance to a, an otherwise dark roasty beer? But yeah. it turns out there's a lot more to it. Yeah. And calcium, I mean, it techni- feeds the yeast to a little bit, but it also, I mean, calcium is one of the main things that determines like the hardness of water. Uh, and it also mm-hmm. will, will, uh, change the balance of the pH and things because calcium carbonate, I don't know, getting into the science of it, but like carbonate, you know, can, <laughs> we're talking about acids and base, so you can change your pH a little bit with it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. It's, it adds to that mouthfeel, changes some of the, the characteristics of your mash, you know, how, how efficient are you? So it's actually a multi-use in that. So it's, it's a very interesting thing. Uh, if we're talking about sweet stout categories, you know, from BJCP, they're saying, that you're looking for a, a dark beer with a tan, creamy head. This one had a very foamy head. I don't know if that's just because my can's a little bit older, but uh, it is very dark like that. It uh, should be clear which or just minimally hazy, which you can't really tell from this beer. It's so dark. Uh, it should be low to moderate carbonation. I'd say this one's definitely on the moderate side. <laughs> <laughs> and then we should be hitting like some dark, roasty flavor notes with potential presence of coffee or even some creamy, milky sweetness. Since this is a milk stout as its base, uh, you know, we should be picking that up too from the lactose. The oysters themselves, like what are you guys picking up from that? Well, I've taken a couple sips, and I do think there obviously is a lot of roast quality to this beer, some coffee. Um, Mouthfeel actually is really nice. It's not as bright or as carbonated as I might have expected from the appearance of it i'm actually just have a bit of a smooth mouthfeel probably from the the lactose and also from the the oysters apparently but flavor wise i mean i don't know i'm getting a little bit of salinity to it i don't know if you are but oh yeah for sure i mean the salinity is almost presents as an undertone but then it's kind of it gets more aggressive i think as your mouth dries out a little bit it's not quite to the level of you accidentally take a sip of ocean water <laughs> and you get that, but it does have like a little yeah. bit of a oceanic, uh, salty taste to it. Mm. It's like seafood. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, because it doesn't have that uh, that mouthfeel of a really salty beer uh, or any, any salty food you have, you know, and it kind of leaves, uh, if it's overly salted, you kind of have a almost like a puckering agent to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, or an attribute. So it's not to that extreme. Um, I think I think the the base of the beer, the the stout itself, is really doing the the bulk of the the work there. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, Lauren, you just took your first <laughs> sip and you almost died. I don't like it, and I like a stout. What don't you like about it? Oh, I think it's the oyster. You it's haven't like, had this before. No, I think if I did, let me see uh, if I've had it on Untapped. Because well, what do you think? It's is it too briny for you, or is it mm-hmm, too? Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, it is. It's it's a bit oh, briny, but it's not like I, I don't feel like I'm just hooking down oysters, you know? Right. Which it's been a while since I've had an oyster, but usually they're much more aggressive in in taste. This is like yeah. you know, it, it's, well, this is duck rabbits mixed out with the addition of oysters in it. Uh, so, do you know if they actually use just the shells, or do they use whole oysters in theirs? I think they use the whole oyster. Because I think I don't know if how I'm curious how much that makes a difference. I was reading a little bit about oyster stouts and, um, you know, kind of the the variation in use for, between just using shells or having uh, the entire oyster in there. But, um, yeah, because oysters themselves, when you're eating them, you're not real. it's not just a salty, uh, you know, seafood no, no. or, you know, shellfish. It's actually, 
it, the flavor of it is a bit savory, and depending on what you add to it, if you're a Rockefeller type or you just like to add some hot <laughs> sauce and lemon juice, I mean, it kind of, it, it's subtle because it takes on really the flavor of whatever you mm-hmm. want to throw in your oyster. So I don't think there's going to be a, an overly strong flavor or like adjunct flavor from the oysters besides maybe just changing, like you said, the pH level a little bit, making it a little more acidic or the salinity to increase. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's definitely, I think they affect the mouthfeel a little bit too. I mean, you're adding some proteins in and then you're adding the calcium from the shells. So you probably get a little smoother, silkier mouthfeel. And you know, you think oysters, and <laughs> I don't know, it's not not uh, appetizing, but a lot of people say oysters look like snot and a thing. So that might be like, <laughs> you know, really uh, turning them off from this. But it's, yeah. if you put this down in front of somebody and said, like didn't tell them there was oysters in it, they would, wouldn't know other than like the little oh, bit of briny yeah. character to it. Like, it's not like they'd be like, Oh, that tastes like oysters and it's all oily and gross. No, it's, it's definitely not that it's, it's something you, you definitely got to try it to realize like, Oh yeah, you can use weird things in beer without it being like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back, I don't know if we really touched a lot on aroma. I'm kind of revisiting that, which mm-hmm. is always a crapshoot. Once you've tasted the beer, I think going back to smell is, kind of dangerous because you might have sort of a, an impression already from the flavor but i'm getting a little bit of like phenolic character i don't know if you guys are some kind of i don't know if it's some some kind of spice like a uh like an allspice or it might just be the roast character but yeah, i'm not getting a ton a little bit of that i'm getting like sweetness mixed with roast and maybe a little mm. bit of coffee but not i'm not getting anything like too spicy I wish I could pinpoint it direct, uh, like on the nose, but it just seems to be some kind of. So I don't know if I want to say it's like a cardamom or like, like a cinnamon. I mean, I yeah, can see like a small very... spice, something just like it, something. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't attribute to one particular ingredient or um, spice, but just sort of an overall phenolic presence is there, and I'm trying to sort of like drill that down. And I don't know if I'm going to pinpoint it or not. Yeah. But I mean, this uh, this beer category in itself, it's usually lends itself to uh, a lower bitterness than you know other big stouts. So it's just that lacto in there, and then the ABV is not too aggressive either. This one clocks in at five point six percent when you're looking at about four to six percent for the style. So it's uh, a big beer with a lot of flavor, but yeah. it's not too heavy hitting yeah. from the ABV standpoint. Yeah. Lauren's I, beer was you heavier. Try it again, Lauren. Yeah, well, your beer was the heaviest. I mean, I like oysters at baseline, and I just don't know. And you like stouts a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just something about this combination that's not really pleasing to the buds. <laughs> I actually would rather have Nick's beer again. Wow. Really? Than wow. this, yes. That's surprising. Yeah. Because I think this is. One, this is pretty good. I mean, this is one of their, mm-hmm. you know, fan favorites. Over time, I don't yeah. hand that glass over to me. <laughs> Just don't want it to get a waste. Yeah, uh, it won't get a waste around here. Mm-hmm. No, I like it too. I I think I've had this before. I'm not sure if I've actually checked it in on Untapped to record it, but yeah. Um, you know, we definitely need to make a trip out to Duck Rabbit soon. Yeah, their, I mean, their tap what, room has limited. <laughs> I know it's just our tap room is not as uh, such limited open. hours. Yeah, because yeah. they're very production focused versus uh, they're not the tap room model like every other brewery near us. They're uh, you know, open Thursday mm-hmm. through Saturday, three to eight PM. So it's like a narrow window of when you can get there. Yeah. Well, this, this also makes me want to try the oyster and stout combo. Yeah. I didn't know that was really a common thing, and it's been common for over a hundred years now. So uh, I might have to give that a a shot and see how you know just raw oysters or um, you know. Yeah, with the stout. Oysters. I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, people do what oyster shooters, which is like vodka mm. and whatnot. But yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anybody pair a, a stout with uh, with oysters before. But it makes sense. I could see it. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. there's some good history with this. I, I think you brought up some really cool uh, points about the uh, sort of the induction of this style, if you will. And it's not really a recognized style on its own. It kind of falls under another category. But um, yeah. Just, it's interesting how things kind of come together. Things that you have separate but are paired, and then it's like, why not just combine these just into one? Just it all into one. Oh, yeah. like Krispy Kreme donuts and pastry stouts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, 
uh, yeah. you know, whole apple pies. And something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the what was that key lime pie uh, goes? I think we had from Westbrook recently, and it. I think they tell you how many pies were in yeah, the yeah. batch. It's like we used oh, twenty three wow. whole key lime pies, <laughs> yeah. and I'm picturing just like somebody throwing pies yeah, into it, tossing them in there, like just whipping them in. Yeah, but yeah, this one's a oysters. I'd be curious to know how much oyster, you know, like how many oysters they use per a batch you know or you know mm-hmm. like what's the oyster equivalent in my can right now and after i'm kind of curious too and i don't know if you've came across this if brewers use the whole oyster assuming that they're you know just raw oysters and they're throwing them in are they able to then use them and eat them after they're done brewing or have they been kind of ruined by that point hmm I mean, if you want them to be boiled for a bunch of time, like yeah. probably. <laughs> That's what it's like, and plus, it's then it's a lot of that. Uh, that you know, the wort and everything is going to impart some some flavor to that. But yeah. may, they may be overcooked to that point, maybe too tough. Oh I yeah, know. I mean, because if you're boiling them for like an hour and a half, or like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen some pictures long. of some breweries that do like an oyster stout, and they do like, oh, you know, today's like shucking day or whatever, because yeah. they're like getting them ready. So I wonder if they actually, maybe, yeah, if they just take the oysters out and then throw the shells in so they get to actually eat the oyster and it's not yeah. gone to waste. Well, yeah, they could. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it, it is, depends how they use it and maybe they just toss them in for a little bit or something. I have yeah. no idea. That's a, a great question. It'd be a shame for all those oysters to like, if they have the actual meat inside, yeah, yeah. it'd be a shame for those to go to waste. But Yeah, duck rabbit. Tell us. <laughs> Let us know, please. We're curious. If by chance you're listening, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Philippone, please. <laughs> Just uh, send us a quick uh, DM. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that wraps up our, our style studies. You know, we had some unique ones. Uh, hopefully you learned a little bit more about the styles and some of their characteristics. And, you know, we should do this again for sure. Yeah, we definitely kind of went out in some areas that were a bit less charted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, with Joe and Lauren in particular having, you know, styles that really aren't recognized as certified beer styles. They don't have their own specific guidelines. They're kind of under another subset. Lauren's actually is kind of spanning multiple. Yeah. So yeah, um, she picked the hardest, the hardest task, which is kind of fun because you, you realize just how often styles evolve and, and that's mm-hmm. why there's a need for the, the standards to, to change with them. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah. So, uh, what did you guys learn today? I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, a most lot. notably, <laughs> Nick's beer is a filtered Hefeweizen. Hmm. And I've learned that I would rather drink that <laughs> than an oyster milk stout. <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. What did you yeah. learn, Nick? Well... I'll touch on both of yours. I learned that actually that a sour IPA is not a recognized beer style in itself. And I think I've just, in my own mind, I've perceived, or I have this, I have this idea that there, I've, I've encountered a lot of sour IPAs in my time. So I assumed mm-hmm. that it was just uh, an actual standard uh, or, or a certified standard of a, a beer style, but turns out it's not, it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, and for Joe, I actually learned uh, that oyster stouts were conceived by the notion that you would eat oysters with stouts, which is really an interesting notion that somebody thought, hey, why not just cut out the middleman and put these together? <laughs> I can just drink <laughs> the oysters with the stout instead of having to chew. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I I learned, you know, that two-lipped glasses are better than glasses with one lip. Uh, <laughs> ha. Ha, ha, and Lauren thinks I'm ha. really funny, but no, I also I think I I learned that uh, you know a filtered you know filtering a beer may impact the final flavor that you get. You know, you usually don't think because a lot of commercial brews are filtered because uh, for a while there was a, a notion of clear beer is good beer and hazy beer is not. I mean, we've obviously seen that do a 180 with uh, hazy IPAs and and whatnot, but. Uh, it's it's just interesting, you know, having had, you know, lots of Hefeweizens and then trying that Crystal Weizen. It's uh, interesting to, to taste the difference, so. Yeah, I, like you pointed out, it's really interesting that there's so many styles that are not, that are, that are filtered by default, so you don't really get to have a lot of side-by-side tastings. Maybe someday we'll have to do a uh, 
Hefeweizen and a crystal weizen uh, vertical Taste tasting. Yeah, let's do it. Next week. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Actually, well, two the weeks. week after. From, yeah. Yeah, so just a reminder, we are doing now every other week li- uh, releases for the pod, and we appreciate you listening. You know, we, we love seeing all our new listeners pop up, and if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out to us, or you just want to engage and maybe uh, suggest some topics for the pod. We'd love to hear from you. We are on Instagram at East Carolina Beer. You can check out our website, eastcarolinabeer.com. We're on Twitter at East Beer, Facebook, East Carolina Beer and Brewing. And if you want to shoot us an email, if that suits your fancy, you know, we're at eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com. But thanks for listening. And uh, from the crew at East Carolina Beer and Brewing and Secondary Fermentation Podcast, cheers. Cheers. Have a yeasty day. <laughs> <laughs> yes.